can't stop what God is doing. If it's a man, he's no threat. But it's of God, you can't stop this. You're not, you're not going to stop this. So they took his advice. But just to make sure, they left their influence. Verse 40, when they called in the apostles, they beat them, charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. And they left the presence of the council rejoicing. They just got beat. They were counted worthy of being beaten for Christ. Now that's the true heart of Christianity right here. Did you remember in verse 4 we referenced the people were selling things, liquidating their assets and bringing money to the apostles and the apostles were overseeing that. But again, pick up with me where we are in chapter 6. It's really revival time. Verse 1, disciples are increasing but we've got a problem. And here's the problem. The Hellenistic widows are being slighted as opposed to the really Jewish. Hellenistic simply means they were Greek in their culture. They were Jewish, but, but they weren't kosher. And they didn't go to the, the temple on the feast days. and They called themselves Jewish, Spiritually, they were nothing. But on the day of Pentecost, they heard the gospel. And they were born again. And, and, and they said, this is amazing. This is beautiful. This is wonderful. I, I ain't ever leaving. I'm not going home. Because Pentecost says Jews from all over the globe would come. For the known world, at least, they would come. But such a transformation occurred. Pretty much everybody said, I, I'm, I'm not ever leaving this place. This is a special place. This is a, wow. I'm not leaving here. But now these people are staying, and the church in chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, is about 120. And now it's 5,000, and then another 1,000, and another 2,000, another 5,000, and it's just exponential. It's blowing up. How are we going to take care of all these people? Most of them didn't go home. So they're selling lands and homes and cashing in their retirement or whatever they've got. They're taking care of one another. And as that's going on, a little murmuring started, right in verse 1, because the Grecian, Greek, culturally Greek Jews who've been born again are saying, we notice that we're always held to the last and when the food runs out, we don't have any. And we're so thrilled to know Jesus, but could we kind of maybe sort of look into that problem? However that came to the surface, was it that gentle or was it more hostile? A complaint. Have you ever heard some complaints around First Baptist Church? Well, I've heard a bunch of complaints around First Baptist Church in my short tenure here. Because somebody's being neglected, or that's being done wrong. And I don't like the way they looked at me when they said that. Here's the solution, verse 2. The apostles, the twelve, summoned the full number of disciples. They had a congregational meeting. 
get mad and blame somebody. Let's fix this problem. They summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not reason. It is not right. It doesn't make sense. It's unreasonable. It's unreasonable that we would, look, look what's happening to us. These, these opening chapters of the book of Acts that I just skimmed through with you real quick. We're like in, in a revival state here. We're, we're in some, some high, thin air. We're, we're in an atmosphere. We have an, this isn't like it was when Jesus was alive. But now that they've seen that he actually died and rose from the dead, oh, this is irrefutable. This is miraculous. Something amazing is going on here. It's not right that in, the, in this atmosphere that this described in the opening chapters of this amazing book, this historical record of, of the spread of the gospel, it's not right that we would slow down preaching so we can feed people. We're not against feeding people, but anybody can feed people. But it's not just anybody that we want. We'll get to that in just a moment. It's not right that we get our priorities mixed up. It's not right that, that we back away from the primary and give our attention to the secondary. It's not reasonable that we get our priorities upside down. We can't leave the preaching of the Word to do the good work of serving tables. Here's what we're going to do. Find some good men to do that. Now, by good, he means this, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom. This isn't some knucklehead. Well, he can't do anything else. I don't do that. We don't want knuckleheads doing anything because they're knuckleheads. We want godly people doing godly work. Godly work like preaching. Godly work like teaching classes. Godly work like giving food and clothing. We want godly people doing godly work. But not all godly people are equipped the same way. Some are very equipped to do this work, which is godly work. And others, God is equipped to do this work. These people aren't better or higher than these people. But they're not equipped to do the same thing. I try to help Carm in the kitchen. After about 15 minutes, she says, you know, it's just easier if you get out of here and leave me alone. And that's not even trying to be funny. Because I'm in the way. We're not all called and equipped and burdened the same way. Find some men full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, not lesser men, not lesser women, not, not lesser servants. But it's not right that we leave this to do that. You can do that. God's called us to do this. We, the apostles, verse 4, We'll devote ourselves to prayer and to ministry. Now, I want you to catch this word serving, this, this, the word ministry. A little, little Greek stuff 
going on here. Look at verse 1, chapter 6, verse 1. These days the disciples were increasing in number. A complaint, a complaint by the Hellenists, I'll explain that, rose against the Hebrews because the widows were being neglected in the daily. See that word distribution? It's the word in Greek, diakonos. And it simply means this, serving. The Hellenistic women, the Grecian culture Jewish women, are being neglected in the daily serving of food. Every day they're feeding these people. Every day. So the word serving is critical in verse 1. Look at verse 2. The twelve summoned the full number of disciples. It's not right that we should give up preaching the word to diakonos, serve tables. We're serving tables when we should be serving scripture. We, we don't have time to do both. You want me to skip preaching so I can serve tables? Someone else serve tables while we're preaching. But serving is still going on. We're serving this, we're serving that, but serving doesn't stop. It's the same word. You see it again in verse 4. Look at verse 4. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the, the word ministry is the same word, serving. All of us are called to serve. We just don't serve in the same way. But everyone's called to serve. And if you ain't serving... Why ain't you serving? Why not? We want people to serve us. But Christ has called us to serve. We think only unique people, uh, educated people, I mean theologically educated people, and, and, and just, just well, they're, they're, they're really nice. They're really nice. I, I don't serve much, but I, I give money. And because I give money, then therefore you can serve. That's, that's what I do. I think everyone was serving. Not just everyone's giving money, and everyone's giving time, and everyone's giving of themselves. Everyone's serving. We've been saved to serve. Saved to serve. In some aspect, in some capacity, Let me, I'm going to leave Acts and, and turn to 1 Peter. I'm going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. And I want to read this section of scripture with you. 1 Peter, let me find it. I had it and I lost it. No, it's chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Yeah, it is, chapter 2. Found my place. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Be slander. Get rid of all that selfish competition. Oh, I'm better than them. They're, wor they're worse than me. I wish I could be like this. Stop with all that craziness. Stop that. Chapter 2, First Peter 2, verse 1. Put away all this competition. Uh, I, I can't trust them. They cheated me. Uh, stop. Stop. Verse 2. And return to the innocence of your youth 
like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you've tasted the goodness of God, you've been born again, and you're starting to grow in faith. Watch this, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, stone like a foundation, stone... Oh, we got the scripture. I thought, I thought we, stood, we didn't have the screen. We got it. Okay, good. Like, like, a, like a foundation of stand on, the stable. It, you're, you're not on shaky, on uncertain soil. Like a living stone that's been rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, you yourselves, like living stilt up. This is beautiful. I have loved this passage since I was a little kid. You are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Now, without standing up and looking around at one another, you know pretty much who's around you right now. We're young, we're old, we're black, we're white, and all kind of shades between. We're barely educated, we're crazy educated, we're skilled with, with all kinds of abilities, or some of us have one or two. We are an unbelievably diverse group of people. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that way. You yourselves, verse 5, are living stones built up to be a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. This is how God made us. He puts us together. We don't all come from the same background. And if it weren't for Christ, would we even know each other? If it weren't for the common bond of our sins being forgiven, and he's filled us with his presence, the Holy Spirit, and when we get stupid and rebellious, he says, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You say, you're right, God. You're right. You're right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And he pulls us back into line. Would we know each other? Would we like each other if our bond were in something other than Christ? Finish up in verse 5. You yourselves are living stones built up as a spiritual house. This building that we're sitting in right now is it's the brick on the outside is called a veneer. Veneer simply means an, an outer covering, an outer it's an outer layer. Made of wood. There's studs behind the sheetrock and the bricks there just for show. And my dad, who was the first pastor and, and when the building was built, he got so mad at, at the, the guys who were laying the brick that the second day they were here, he fired them on the spot. And uh, it, because the, the, all the scenes were crooked and, and he's just beside himself. He's, you guys are done. And, and so they walked off the job and, and happened to leave their equipment. And so my dad said, come on, son, let's, let's finish the brick. I said, this is a true story. I said to my dad, have you ever laid brick before? And he gestured and they started at the front. That's where the biggest mistake is. You can see it. I, I walk by it and drive by it. I see it every day of my life. But he gestured at the, at the, at the crooked vertical seam. And he said, could we do any worse? So we finished, we finished laying the brick. 
that we had never laid brick before. It took us a very long time. Back to point. I, 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 I Brick's okay, but I tell you what I love to see in, in commercial buildings or private homes is various shapes and colors of stones and the mortar holds them together. That's what this verse is saying. It's verse 5. You yourselves are living stones. We're alive in Christ. But we're like a stone. And he puts me here and he puts you here and you there. And we're all not the same shade of color. We're all not the same shape. Some are, are more narrow and some are more round. And some really protrude and others not as much. And when you, when you look at a stone building, you that's beautiful. Not all the same shape, but they're all held together, and that's us. That's the body of Christ. We're not philosophically the same. We're not politically the same. It's Christ that holds us together. I take all this back to Acts chapter 2, and the problem is there was a gap in their harmony and their function. Now remember in the chapter 4, people bringing money and giving to the apostles. But evidently something has happened, and I think the something is this. There's, there's so much going on. There's more than what 12 men by themselves can manage, that being the apostles. So in chapter 7, in chapter 6 where we are, in chapter 6, they say, this is too much for us. And we find ourselves being pulled away from our primary work of serving the Scripture so that we can serve food. We're getting pulled away from serving spiritual things because we have to serve relational things or other kind of counseling that needs to be done. It is not reason that we leave off the primary thing to do a secondary thing, as essential as a secondary thing can be, it's not going to make sense that we do this, that we're doing everything. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to delegate the work. We're going to delegate the work. So that everybody is serving somewhere. The serving happens in verse 1, in verse 2, in verse 4, in verse 5. And the apostles said, we'll serve the spiritual stuff. You guys serve this stuff, and you guys serve this stuff. And so this structure comes to us. And while the word deacon is not used, the English word deacon is not used in chapter 6, the word serving is diakonos, which is deacon in English. This is where the, the, the whole concept comes from here in chapter 6, in Acts chapter 6. Now, before I just leave the concept completely, I want to read to you one more passage out of Romans, chapter 6. This is Romans chapter 6. Catch this, and then we'll get back and finish up with Acts. Romans chapter 6 and verse 17. Let me get there. Look, I, I forgot we had this. Okay, here we go. Catch this word later in this short paragraph. Verse 16, now, if I do what I 
don't want to do. If I do what I do not want, then I agree with the law that it is good. The law is good that, yeah, I'm a sinner and you caught me. Yeah, you're right. I, I agree. 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in in my flesh. I've come to the conclusion that, yeah, if there's anything good in me, it's the grace of God. It's not instinctive to me. I have no good in me. Am I in chapter 6? No, I'm not. I'm in chapter 7. I'm looking at your faces. And what, 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 what's Romans 6, verse 17. Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves, slaves, we left the word servant. We left the word servant. Doulos is the word slave. Diakonos, servant. The apostles were serving Scripture. The apostles were serving Scripture. Everyone else is serving food. Take this, take this, take this, take this. But the apostles were serving Scripture. Now, if you think, well, then that's, that's, a, that's a pecking order. We need these people. They're really smart. But these people, hey, they need any, any knucklehead. No, 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 no. None of us are knuckleheads, and none of us are better than others because, well, I, I, I have a degree in theology, so shut up and listen. Here's what all of us are. If you're stuck on that word servant, I want you to catch this concept in, in Romans chapter 6. Who said 7? Chapter 6, verse 17. Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. You know why I am not in the least bit reluctant to say to this congregation, hey, we got to do better at serving. You got to find a place where, where you're comfortable serving. You need to take some assessment of, of your abilities and passions and interests or, or ask someone to help you figure that out. But everybody's got to be serving. You know why I'm asking you to serve? Because serving is a whole lot nicer than being a slave. We serve others because we know how Christ went to the cross and served us. I used to be a slave to my sin, and so did you. And you still remember those days, and we still catch ourselves fighting that same old fight. Because I get a thought, and I say, oh, and I start looking back over my shoulder. Is anyone looking before I knew Jesus? And I I could taste that again. And there's not a one of us in the room that's born again that doesn't know what that's like. You not only know what that temptation's like, you know the guilt and the shame when you say, I'm going to do it. And you run back to it, and you say, what did I do that for? Am I even a Christian? And the whole room was filled of people with that. Now imagine if we were filled with this sense that we serve one another to encourage, to even admonish, and to say, come on, man, you can resist sin. I need help. How about you call me? I'll call you. We'll help one another. We'll hold each other responsible. We'll fight sin together. So that we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're slaves to righteousness. And if I'm a slave to righteousness, oh, I've got to find a place to serve. If I'm already a slave. That's right here in Romans chapter 6. 
Verse 19, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you were once presented, as once you presented your members slaves to impurity, lawlessness, more lawlessness, so now present your members, my eyes. Remember a little song when your mom taught you, careful little eyes, what you see, little hands, what you do. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Careful, careful. Present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to your purification, sanctification, or getting rid of sin in your life. Cleaning up. We're slaves. But slaves serve. But we don't serve sin anymore. We serve one another. We serve unbelievers in our lives. Because that's what we've been called to do. We don't pay money so they can serve and we watch them. Everybody serves. Hey, Bill, you know, the, uh, you know all the old singers. Who's the uh, folk guy? Uh, everybody serves somebody. In fact, he said he was a Christian for a while, and then he rejected it. Dylan? Everybody serves somebody, he said. And on that point, he was right. Who are you serving? And how are you serving your church family and the ministries of your church family? That's the point here. That's the point. Okay, so we read First Peter. We read Romans. Let's finish up in verse 7 of our text. Acts chapter 6. Let's finish up in verse 7. So they anointed and, and, and prayed over the, the uh, deacons in verse 6. And verse 7 says, The word of God continued to increase. Just mark in your mind, count with your fingers, the benefits of everybody serving somewhere. That there was no, it is not reason, it is not right, verse 2, to the good news of verse 7, the word of God continued to increase. The disciples multiplied greatly, so much so that even old Jewish priests are being born again. <laughs> Look at those three results of an appropriate arrangement of, of, of labor. You do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and let's spread it all out. And everybody does something somewhere, and nobody does nothing. Everybody does something. Verse 7, the word of God continued to increase. The number of disciples multiplied greatly, so much so that not a few, but a great many of Jewish priests in the temple are coming to faith in Jesus. Wow. Imagine if we prayed for that to happen. Imagine if we positioned and organized ourselves enough that that could happen. That not just a handful of people saying, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. And I, I got imagine if everyone was doing something and no one was overworked and everyone was looking for, where could I serve? Because we've all been called to serve. 
Now, one last warning. How about that? I said one last. We got 15 minutes. One last warning. Don't think that giving money is, that, well, that's how I serve. Well, the problem with that kind of reasoning is everybody gives money. We can't count that as, well, that's my, that's my spiritual gift of service. Everybody gives money. Well, I, I, I sing. That's why we call it congregational singing, because everybody sings. Three or four of us sing well, but the rest of us sing. Everybody sings. Everybody gives. No, that's worship. Giving is not my, that's not my area of service. No, giving is worship. Singing is worship. No, serving, no, this is, these one or two or four ministries, this, I, I serve in these areas, but I serve in these areas, but everybody serves. The apostles served in preaching and discipling and counseling and, and, and explaining the scripture to a congregation or to two people, a husband and a wife or uh, whoever it is. That's what the apostles were doing. That's how they served. They served scripture. Other people, the deacons are here serving food and clothing and money. And the apostles used to serve the money. Remember back in chapter 4? They brought the money and laid it to his feet. But something has happened from chapter 4 to chapter 6. You know what it is? There's too many people to serve now. We need a reallocation of labor. They've got a good problem. The good problem is we got a whole lot more people to serve. And there was a secondary problem because we don't have, we're only, just the 12 of us are only doing it like from the beginning. Some people are being neglected. So they chose seven men who, by the way, all had Greek names. Jewish guys, but they all had Greek names. They're raised in a Grecian culture. So they picked seven men who get it, who understand. I'm feeling you, honey. I, I know your frustration. I'm with you in this. And they fixed the problem. And First Baptist Church has some massive gaps when it comes to serving because we got a handful of people doing multiple, 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 multiple tasks. Imagine if we had everybody. I can do a little bit here, a little bit here, and everything's covered. And everything's covered. I'm not suggesting that we appoint. Where's, where's, did I skip this verse? Were they appointed in verse second part of verse 5? They appointed them. Verse 6. These they set before the apostles. They prayed and laid their hands on them. And they weren't choking them. They, they were blessing them with responsibility and our support. I don't think all that is saying, the last part of verse 5, is that, so now the, the deacons did all the work and the rest of the congregation just sang and gave. Everybody was serving somewhere on certain days. Everybody's serving. Everybody's worshiping, giving and singing, giving and singing. But everybody's serving. Imagine if we had a congregation where just not the deacons did all the work. We could appoint however many you want. We'll talk about the criteria for deacons and elders moving forward in the rest of the month. We'll talk about that criteria and what they do. But the big picture is everybody serves. 
And if we're not, why not? Why, why, why aren't I serving? And if I'm serving here, that means they're freed up to serve there. And but if, if we just sit and watch, then they got to do this, they got to do this. They, these same 12, 20 people, they're doing everything, and the rest of us just, we sing and we give. No, everybody sings, everybody gives, everybody serves somewhere. Everybody serves somewhere. The deacons were held responsible to make sure this gets served. And, and I'll make sure this happens, and I'll make sure this happens. They didn't do all the work themselves. They did the work, but they did it in recruiting and, and positioning other people that they can... Oh, this, I give my life away. This, I give time here. I give my testimony of conversion here. I, I'm always giving. I'm always serving. Because I am doing the work. I may not have a label, but I'm doing the work of a deacon. I'm serving. But that's not really the most important phrase. The most important phrase is, that passage in Romans 6. I'm a slave. And slaves are what they're told. But I'm not a slave to a mean master. I'm slave to Jesus of Nazareth. And in his love, he's equipped me to live the life that he lived. A selfless, serving life. A brief illustration, then we're going to close. I am not here about to endorse. I'm not telling it. it's the most amazing thing. I don't even read the Bible anymore. I just watch The Chosen. I'm not saying that. Nor am I telling it's trash. Neither of those extremes would be accurate and true. But I will tell you, I loved, I don't even know what, what season it was. One, two, three, or what's being released now? Four or five? Four? Four is being released now? I, I don't know what, what season but there was a scene where Jesus has been uh, preaching all day, feeding the 5,000, and, and it's the end of the night. And the apostles have been, you know, around the fire, and they go listen, they come back, and they're around and around, and, and, and it's the end of the day. But Jesus has been with it every, all day long, all day long, all day long. It's the end of the day now in this scene. He's walking back to his tent, and he's exhausted. And there's this face on the 12 that we, we, he's doing everything. And all we do is keep asking more of him, more of him, more of him. We, we got to fix this. And I want us as a congregation to see that and say, we've got a handful of people that are knocking themselves out, and they we love those people. Why don't we become those people with them? Why don't we say, I, you're doing too much. Give me something. Let me let me help you carry that load and find a ministry that's. And we'll talk more about these these opportunities as as the weeks go through the, this month. But the, the concept is here in chapter 6. 
They appointed some men, seven of them, not to do all the work themselves, but to coordinate that that work gets done. We're going to add some deacons, and they will coordinate to make sure that the work gets done. And they're going to need a whole bunch of people to say, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll help do that. I'll carry some of that load. I love this ministry. Let me participate in this. That everyone's serving somewhere. We all worship and we all serve. And I want us to get to verse 7. That the word of God continued to increase. The number of disciples is multiplying greatly. And we even see spiritual leaders from deceptive and erroneous convictions come to faith. Wow. This is what's happening in the book of Acts. And this I would love to see happen in Blackwood, New Jersey. Stand with me and let's sing.